The following audio is from the King's Chapel. You can find out more about our church at thekingschapel.org. Today's sermon title is, um, You're Not Allowed to Go. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So it's actually, uh, unless they are sent, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 10. We're actually, if you picked up a sermon outline on the way in, we're going to be looking at a number of scriptures. And uh, if you're curious about where we're headed as a church in terms of our teaching, this week and next week uh, will both be kind of standalone ser- uh, sermons. And then in February, we're going to get into a new series that I think will be a blessing to you all in the season of uh, separation, isolation, continued uh, vision, all kinds of things. But today, as we just witnessed with Jake and Sammy coming up here, it is a day to say goodbye, and it's bittersweet, and it's bittersweet for all the reasons you just just saw. If you know Jake and Sammy, you know they're like blood. Uh, Jake is a brother to so many in this church. Sammy is like a sister to me in in particular and to the Jeske clan. Uh, They are our family. And they met here, they married here, they, they've served here. Uh, so if you've got a junior hire who's got a crush on, on a girl in his youth group, he's got a chance. It's, <laughs> it could work out. It could work out. Probably not, but it could work out. And um, it's, uh, it's bittersweet. It's bitter because it, they're leaving, right? They're leaving this context at least for now. They're not disappearing. If you're friends with them, you can still continue to be friends with them, I'm sure. Uh, but it's also really sweet. It's sweet. Because as I've prayed for you, as we've prayed collectively as a church, as we've come together in, in prayer meetings, I've just heard this, this constant refrain of, of, Lord, use us. Lord, do more through the church. Lord, reach the lost through us. And so that's what we want to be as a church. We want to be a, a place where anyone can come and be deeply rooted and grow in the Lord and be strengthened, built up, equipped in the word of God, dependent on the Lord in prayer and then prepared to be sent out. We all, in some sense, are sent out. And so it is a privilege to be commissioned by the Lord to be sent out into these new gospel opportunities, into bold new missions for the sake of Christ. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 9. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. As we look around our culture, as we look around the area, do do you see any people who are harassed and helpless? Certainly. Some of you in this room right now feel that way, like sheep without a shepherd. And then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is what? Plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful. What that means is that for followers of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, there is a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. This is the work that Jesus came to do. That means there are people all around us that that Christ came to rescue and to save. And he does that through you, through people. Through, through ordinary people, as we talked about last week uh, in the, with the woman at the well, he does that to people who are in desperate need of a drink of water. And we have that living water as followers of Christ. This is the mission. The story of scripture plays out this way in, in kind of four parts. It's the story of, of creation, this wonderful creation in which God spoke all of this into existence. He created man and woman in his own image to be reflections of him, reflections of his glory and his goodness, to to go into and fill the world with the rule and reign of God. And, and, And scripture says that God called this creation very good. 
And then we know what happened next. The fall falls the next piece. Through Adam, sin and corruption entered into God's good creation. Sin that, if we're honest, we continue to willingly embrace. We are part of the problem. And this sin came in and corrupted this wonderful creation. And as a result, humanity has been separated from the holy perfection and love of God. That is our status apart from Christ. We're in need of redemption and thank God that he gives us redemption. In light of that separation, out of love for us, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live among us in human form, to move into our neighborhood, to put on flesh and be like us, and then to die for us, to substitute himself on a cross for our sin, to redeem those who would believe to himself and to fill us with his own spirit so we might begin to carry forth that work of redemption, that work of restoration. You are part of the Lord's plan to restore all things to himself. And that work will be culminated in his return and his triumph over sin and evil. But in this messy middle between redemption and restoration, he chooses to work through you to carry forth that message of redemption. How does God do this? How does he redeem and how does he restore? Here's how he does it. He sent his son. Our God is a sending God. He sent his very own son, And he brought us salvation by sending his best. In 1 John 4, it says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the the just payment for our sins. John 3, 16, you know this one well. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Do you know that God loves you? Like really, do you know that God loves you? Some of you, when you hear that, when you hear God loves you, it's like your head goes down and you say, yeah, I know that. I know that. No, he loves you. His grace is abundant toward you. You don't have to to bow your head before him anymore. He has sent his son to redeem you so that you can look to your father in confidence and in hope and in joy because he will do anything, including sending his own son for you. He loves you. How good is that? His affection is for you. By grace, you don't need to earn it. He is for you. He loves you so much that he would send the very image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And in rising from the dead, to invite you into fellowship with him forever. God brings us life and salvation by sending. And as followers of Christ, as bearers of that image, as recipients of that grace, as living temples of his Holy Spirit, we are part of that continuing work. God redeems and restores by sending his son, and God continues to redeem and restore by sending his servants. Sending his servants. That's you, and that's me. You are sent. Do you know that? Do you know that God has redeemed you to send you out into the world so that more might be saved? We are sent into the best mission in the world, the mission of sharing the joy that we found in Christ. Matthew 28, 18, you know this this section of scripture, but Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is our mission as a church. This is your mission as a follower of Christ. So the question facing us this morning is simple. Are you living like you're sent? Are you living like you're sent? Are you simply gathering and growing, that's good. We're all about that. But are, are you simply doing that or are you going? Are you carrying forth this message? Are you sharing what Christ has done for you? Gathering with fellow believers, growing in intimacy with the Lord, growing in knowledge of God, that is what the church is for. That is what we do. We come together in celebration. We go out and we de develop an intimate relationship with God as we spend time in his word and as we, prayer, as we pray, as we're in community. And all those things are essential to life in God. And we'll talk about that more in our upcoming series in February. But just as essential to your life in Christ, just as essential to that intimacy is, is this command to go forth and to make disciples. I want to illustrate what I mean this way. If you could humor me, take in a really deep breath and hold it in. Hold it. Okay, when you're ready, you, you can breathe out, okay? Try not to breathe on your neighbor. But I've heard that the Christian life illustrated this way, and I think it's really helpful. It's, it's, it's like breathing. Our time in worship, our time in the word, our time in prayer, and growing in personal, personal intimacy with the Lord is like an inhale. And our time sharing and strengthening and serving others, our time outwardly focused on bringing this message of hope and grace to the world is like the exhale. You need both. You need both. You cannot live. You cannot breathe. You cannot grow in Christ if your life isn't is this constant inhale, exhale, receiving from the Lord and giving of what you've received. Like the exhale and the inhale, both are necessary. If you try breathing all the air out of your lungs and holding that for a while, it will be equally uncomfortable. You desperately need to inhale. I, I've been in seasons of ministry where it's been all exhale and no inhale. And I'll tell you what, when you do that, when you live that way, you burn out. You burn out. And if it's all inhale, all just, I'm going to sit and have my quiet time 24 hours a day and I'm not going to be in fellowship. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to, to, to share this faith. If it's all inhale, you'll shrink. I mean, you, you just will not grow because you will not be able to bear fruit. We need both. And I believe that God would have us be a church that inhales deeply the goodness of the Lord together in community and, and privately and that exhales boldly the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And it's, it's my belief that God has so much more in mind for you and for us as a church as we strengthen and send. Strengthen and send out more into the harvest. I, I believe the Lord would have us be a church that makes this life count to the glory of God in this brief sojourn that we have in his creation. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. And in, in Romans, the book of Romans, what we see is this creation, fall, redemption, uh, restoration narrative play out over the first 10 chapters uh, in, in a very compelling way. Paul's uh, ability to argue and to present his case is, has been studied in some of the top schools in the nation for, for centuries. I don't know if they do anymore. 
But it's this brilliant argument where he lays out the holiness of God, the lostness of mankind, and our need for salvation. And he tells us that God has made his existence clear through his creation. He has made it clear to everyone that we can see that there is something beyond. There is a power beyond us so that we are without excuse. We see that God has made all of this. And yet, knowing that there there is a God, we choose to reject him. We choose to rebel against him anyway. We follow our own sinful desires rather than following God. And as a result, this world has fallen into more and more darkness and decay in need of rescue and, and restoration. We can see this, can't you? Can't you see that around you? Maybe flip on the news for five minutes or or scroll through Twitter and you will see that that this world is addicted to destruction, addicted to to self-centeredness. And it's in us too when we're honest with ourselves. Despite how, how good God's creation is, despite the beauty all around us, despite the joy of being in relationships, the dignity of working hard, all these good things, we have this collective sense as we experience loss and disease and division, and as we look at the condition of our own hearts, that we have this sense that this world is not as it ought to be. And we are not, apart from Christ, not as we ought to be. We are helpless and hopeless, yet into our brokenness, God shows his astounding compassion, love, and mercy, and he sends his own son to make a way for salvation where there was no way. And so for for those that recognize their need of a savior, for those that recognize their brokenness and turn to Jesus, Romans 10 gives us this this magnificent, simple hope, starting in verse 9. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Saved. Declared righteous before God. Given this gift of eternal life. Saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's as simple as that. Believe. Declare. Be saved. Wonderful news. Listen to this. Verse 11 says Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. That's an amazing message that we have to deliver. And here's how it happens. Romans 10 verse 14 to 17. This is the key text for this morning. It says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. So, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What this means is that, that we have an urgent message for the world. The gospel is urgent. It is, it is in need of, of willing servants who are boldly able to deliver it. They cannot hear the good news unless someone goes and preaches it. People can't be saved apart from this. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of Christ through you and through me. This is a, a mystery to me, but, but can I tell you, as we went through the book of Acts, God always and only delivers the gospel through what? People. 
people. We have angels showing up in different places, but they, they don't deliver the gospel. I don't know. I don't understand it. It's, it's a mystery. But they tell Cornelius, for example, go and find Peter. And then Peter goes and brings the message of salvation. He does this through you, through human means. And so what I want to talk about briefly as, as we move toward the end of this is just three practical ways, three practical ways that we can embrace God's leading to be a church that strengthens and sends. Just three things. And these are really simple. They're, they're kind of no-brainers, so I just want to remind you of them. The first is this. Pray. Pray that God would raise up people in our church who are willing to go. For some of you, this is really easy. You've been praying that certain people would leave for a long time. <laughs> but that is not uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> Again, Matthew 9 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, go into the fields and, and start reaping that harvest, right? No, 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 no. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Therefore, pray. That almost catches us off guard. We assume that, that we're supposed to start working. No, he says, therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray, pray, pray. Our first task as a church that increasingly strengthens and sends people out into the harvest is to pray faithfully. To pray with open hands, God, have your way in our church, have your way in our people, move in our hearts, have your way. My calling to ministry was received in prayer. It was confirmed in prayer. It was established in prayer and every day is sustained by prayer. And I believe for all of you that are walking within the will of God, you would say that's true too. As you prayed and sought the Lord, you've seen how he has directed you and how he has sustained you. So pray earnestly for the Lord to send out more laborers into the harvest. And as we pray, it's amazing to see how God will move to prepare hearts for his mission, to do things and, and to work in people's lives where we could not have predicted it, where we would not have seen it as possible. I don't want to make today all about Jake and Sammy, but if you know Jake and Sammy's story, if you were to talk to them maybe just two years ago, this idea of going out and, and, and entering into vocational ministry and, and being a pastor and a pastor's wife, it really wouldn't have been on the radar. Maybe in the back of their mind, they could have said that's possible, or at least Sammy could have said that's possible, but it was not on Jake's radar at all. And yet God has done something as they've sought the Lord in prayer and as others have prayed for them. God has done something wondrous in them. He has it's transformed their hearts to be willing to do something that, that is totally different from what they had predicted for themselves. But I'll tell you, God had to do some work in them to prepare them for this. He had to change a lot of things in them, and he did so in response to prayer, without a doubt. In response to prayer, the Holy Spirit of God, if you hear their testimonies over just the last couple years, has individually and together touched them in, in a profound way that has transformed their personal walk with the Lord. He's been doing that work. He's been doing it. He's been drawing them into this new season. And he's done that in response to their prayers and the prayers of others around them. They are not the same as they were just a few years ago. As we pray, God will raise up more people and prepare more people in a way that we cannot control, we cannot make happen, we cannot force. They are different now. I'll tell you, Jake cries a lot more now. <laughs> 
as the Lord has softened his heart for ministry. It, it, it is, it's a profound thing that the Lord can do, and he's done that in, in a bunch of people in our church. So will you pray? Will you pray earnestly for God to raise up more to be sent? And will you pray for the bitter part of this? Will you pray that God will give us peace and joy in the sending? As we talk about this, I can't help but think of the church in Antioch. You remember this all the way back in Acts chapter 13. And they're, uh, they're an awesome church. They have this, this super diverse group of elders. They're, they're people from all over the world gathered together in the city of Antioch to worship the Lord. And this church is growing and thriving. The reports about it are all glowing. The spirit is moving there. And, and it's an amazing place. Do you remember who their preachers were in that church? It was only like a year ago. Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul. It doesn't really get much better than that, does it? They've got Barnabas and Paul delivering their sermons every week. And this is a wonderful, wonderful church. But they are praying. And despite things being really great for a number of years, a long time, they're praying and they're fasting. And the leadership of the church is seeking the Lord for what they should do. And what does the Holy Spirit tell them to do? It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This is unbelievable faith to me. This church had everything going for it. It's this wonderful community. And what do they do? They seek the Lord for his leading. They say, what would you have us do now? And when the time comes, they joyfully, no doubt, tearfully send out their very best. They send their pastors out to go on a mission that would change the world, to go on a mission to the Gentiles that we are the beneficiaries of now as followers of Christ. Amazing faith from that church and from that community who was committed to the mission of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit as they prayed no matter what. So pray, pray that God would raise up even more, maybe even you, to be sent. Secondly, be willing to say yes to God in your own life. Be willing to say yes to God in your own life. I can tell you uh, from conversations with Jake and Sammy over the last couple years, one of the, the things that they would say in one form or another pretty constantly w was this. They said, we just want to have a yes on our hearts toward the Lord. Don't know where they got that phrase, but we want to have a yes on our hearts toward the Lord. Today isn't about them. It's about the wonder of how God works and responds to our earnest prayers as we become willing to say yes to the Lord, as we, as we live with a yes on our heart. And so I want to ask you, is there a yes on your heart? Are you willing? Are you willing to go where God would send you? Are you willing to trust him in the drastic and in the mundane to lead you and guide you into his plans? The, the, God is at work all around us, all the time. The question for us are these. Will we look for where God is at work around us? And are we willing to join him in what he is already doing? For most of you, that won't mean crossing to the other side of the world. But it may mean crossing to the other side of the street and getting out of your comfort zone and crossing a boundary to love someone else, to love someone beyond the comfort 
of your present circumstances. I love this quote from D.L. Moody. You've probably heard this before. At least it's attributed to him. It says, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. Does that stir you? It does for me. Are you willing to say yes to the Lord? Are you willing to say yes? Several times over the last couple of years, we as a church have had the privilege of, of hosting something here uh, that's pretty unique. Young life leaders have come here once a year to do something called new leader placement. And if you know what Young Life is, Young Life is a ministry that sends basically missionaries into a foreign land. They send uh, <laughs> leaders into high schools and middle schools around us, Okay. They learn the language, they learn the customs, they figure out how to love people in their context. Anyway, it's a, a wonderful evangelistic ministry. And so every year they train new leaders. These are college students and young adults uh, typically who go through months and months of training and at the end of that training they are going to be placed in different public high schools and middle schools and, and George Mason University. So, so they come together and on that night the school that they've been placed in will be revealed to them and it's this big celebration. It's this night of worship and celebration. And we've, we've had the privilege of hosting it. And so what will happen on this night is once these new leaders have been given their commission, given their, their new school that they, they've gone to and we've celebrated it, they will each come up onto the stage. And one by one, they'll, they'll walk across this, this stage as they respond to a simple question from Isaiah chapter 6. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then they'll ask, whom shall I send to Centerville High School? And you'll see a young man or a young woman say, here I am, send me. Whom shall I send to George Mason University? Here I am, send me. Whom shall I send to Madison High School? Here I am, send me. And you see these young people willing to give their lives to, to set aside everything else that would be a priority for a young person in order to spend time with goofy kids, to love them, and to tell them about Jesus once they've earned that right to be heard. And it's just an amazing thing as these young people give up their time, their talent, and their treasure to cross this boundary and to love kids into the kingdom. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Those feet came into my high school. And I think about it, and I, and I still marvel and thank God that some of my best friends in life came to faith through a simple after-school Bible study uh, with two guys, led by two guys, Nick and Derek, who were these goofball college students from George Mason, who chose to spend time with us who chose to love us, and who could think of nothing better to do with their time than to introduce desperate kids to Jesus. And they still do that. Here I am. Send me. Are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to say yes to Jesus? For some of you, saying yes to the Lord may mean leaving your career altogether and, and something drastic to respond to the call of the Lord. Uh, it could be like Jake, pursuing seminary and, and pastoring. Or it could be the opposite. I think of my friend Danny, who is working for a missions organization, who just has a passion and a love for, for ministering to Muslims. And he was so passionate about ministering to Muslims, particularly Sudanese refugees, that what he did was he, he quit his job with the missions organization to go and be a manager of a makerspace where he would get to interact with these Muslim refugees every day. 
And so for him, that drastic call to be sent was actually the opposite. He was called out of formal ministry to be a blessing in his neighborhood to people and, and to, to be more effective for the sake of the gospel. That may be what the Lord calls you to do, to call you out of vocational ministry into relational ministry, to call you out of uh, the workplace ministry into vocational ministry. I don't know what it is, but we seek the Lord and we trust him as he leads us. For some of you, that may mean giving your lives to full-time vocational ministry and, and maybe being a pastor or a missionary and giving your life to that. I don't know. For some of you and many of you, probably most of you, what this means is to consider how God can use you in your family, in your social relationships, in your career for the sake of his, his mission. Would you live as someone who is sent right where you are? God has placed you in your context for a reason, perhaps in part to be the one that brings good news into a context in which others cannot go. I'll tell you what, you would think I'd have this big evangelistic advantage as a pastor, right? He's a pastor. He can talk to people about Jesus. It's easy. But actually, the truth is people throw up their walls as soon as they hear that I'm a pastor most of the time. I don't know why they think I'm going to burn their Harry Potter books or, or guilt them about cussing, things that I might do as I get to know them. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, there are people in your life that you have the privilege to know, to be with every day, that have grown to trust you, that God has called you to love and to minister to. God has sent you there. And the call for us today is to live like it. Live like you're sent. And I see that all the time. I'm proud of our church. I see that in the people in our church all the time who go into the public high schools, who go into the halls of government, who go into their, their, their ordinary work, and they know that it is not ordinary. They know that their vocation is to be representative of Jesus right where they are, and they do that so well. Some of you represent Jesus so well to a watching world. Keep doing that. Stay steadfast. Live sent. Saying yes to the Lord is worth it. You will never regret it. Lastly, how do we do this well as a church? We send and support well. Some of you aren't ready to go anywhere. You're not ready to be sent out anywhere because maybe you don't even know the Lord yet. And you're here today for the first time or the second time or the tenth time. And, and, and your call today is simply this. Give your life to Jesus. Trust him. Follow him. Let go of control. Allow him to, to cleanse you, to make you new. Receive salvation this morning. Some of you just need to grow for a while here. Learn what the word says. Learn how to share your faith. And some of you need to heal. You're here because you, you just need to sit and heal and be in the presence of God and be in, in healthy community and to be strengthened. So what I'd call all of you to do is plug in here, deepen your relationships. And when the Lord calls some of us out, and he will, we have two options. We can either be the ones going or we can be the ones sending. And for the ones sending, your job is just as important as the ones going. Your job is to send and support well through your prayers, through your encouragement, Maybe by giving so that others can go. Our call is to send and support well. And to send and support well will mean that like Paul and Barnabas leaving Antioch, it will cause us to joyfully and with peace in our hearts desire to send out our very best, our very best for the sake of his mission. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we can be reminded of your work in our lives, your faithfulness, your goodness, that you would choose us not just to save us, Lord, but to work through us as, as your representatives to carry forth your kingdom and your gospel. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room that right now we would raise the hands of our heart to say yes to you. Use us as you see fit. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.